Hi, I'm Joe Spector, President and General Director of Arizona Opera. Welcome to this episode of Arizona Opera Unmiked. I am thrilled to be joined today by uh, two wonderful fellow singers, uh, colleagues, people out there in the world of arts and media. Marco Camarada is a talented uh, opera singer, voiceover artist, and recently launched his new YouTube channel, Marco Meatball, which has already close to 90,000 uh, YouTube subscribers, where Marco gives not only reactions to uh, video game music, which is uh, so impactful and, and uh, so connects to the world of classical music, but he also peppers in there a sprinkling of opera once and again to uh, expose people who have never heard about opera before. And uh, we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. We're also joined today by Cole Scorey, whose YouTube channels with his siblings, The Scorys, uh, has around 2 million YouTube subscribers. They started uh, their YouTube channel in 2012. And uh, not only is Cole a wonderful YouTuber, but is also a uh, singer himself. They're both tenors. So we're going to see how things go down today. But really, really thrilled uh, to have you here, guys. Marco and Cole, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. So we're just going to dive right in. Uh, the The first thing I want to talk about, this is Arizona Opera Unmiked. So I just wanted to first sort of talk to you about the art of storytelling through song and what that means to you. I think that, uh, you know, from my point of view, th that art, uh, and especially with, uh, you know, the classical singing voice, a trained voice, sort of uh, lifting people up and elevating a quality of storytelling, I think it's never been more impactful than, than it is or than it could be today. And I'd just love to hear from your perspective what it means to you to be a storyteller and to use song for that storytelling. Uh, why don't we kick off with Cole? Yeah, awesome question. Uh, I think music has always been a part of my life, my family's life growing up. Uh, we were super involved in musical theater. That's how I started, you know, my introduction to acting and, you know, productions and singing in general. And it was just such a perfect fix. It was a, a, a mashup of all my favorite things, you know, costumes and and acting and being able to, you know, express myself through, you know, these epic, you know, stories and these magical places and fantasy. And we're able to translate all of that into our YouTube stories where we have done numerous songs that, you know, will randomly spontaneously burst out during our episode uh, through, you know, ghost hunting or elves on the shelves in Christmas time and <laughs> really, you know, bring such a special element of storytelling through, you know, song that wouldn't normally be available just through film and, you know, sound and acting. So it really brings a special, you know, sparkle to it. Yeah. Sparkle is a, is a good way to describe it. Uh, Sparkly Marco, <laughs> now over to you. Um, yeah, you've no. used your voice in so many different ways, but you and I share a background uh, in, in professional opera singing. So I think you might have a kind of expansive view about this kind of question, but, but what, what are your thoughts about the power of the singing voice and storytelling um, may connect to your, your new YouTube work as well? Yeah. You know, I think storytelling through song and through singing, I think when we look at it from, from the lens of, especially of singing, it's, it's the human condition. And I think a lot of times when we hear 
music on the radio or we hear music in a symphony hall or an operatic stage, you know, what, what matters is, is that singing is such a raw human thing that, that is very unnatural to us. And in a way it's kind of, um, almost like there's a risque quality to it where people, Mm. people, we don't, we don't sing outside of specific venues necessarily. Right. And so unless we're in the car or in the shower or whatever, but so to me, on my YouTube channel, we, I talk a lot about video game music. Uh, and every time I hear song music, I take an extra bit of time mm-hmm. to break down lyrics, mm-hmm. to break down how a person is singing, whether they're using breath, whether they're using vibrato, whether they're using whatever. Right. So that's within the medium of video games. But then when we expand outwardly, when I recall my time on stage, it's been a few years since I've been on stage. But when I when I think about my time on stage, the reasons why I loved storytelling through music and through song was because it was a direct connection to another's soul. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, the mechanism of singing, as we understand it, technically is very complex. However, it doesn't cut the fact that there has to be that tether to people, like from one person to another, it's a sharing in, in, in humanity. And as you, of course, all of us understand music, it, it's, it's this thing that transcends emotions. And so, you know, we talk about uh, not to get too verbose or too expansive, but we talk about, you know, emotion. And when we talk about describing emotion, words often don't cut it because mm-hmm song somehow and music in general somehow takes like the feeling of sadness or the feeling of happiness and elevates it to like a deep soul understanding of it and it's and that's the beauty of singing i think so mm-hmm. i've thought a lot about this subject clearly <laughs> <laughs> no i no, i think we have all uh, all thought about this and i think that's what makes this episode so wonderful i i think the the thing you touched on i'm gonna bounce back over to cole now but uh the thing you touched on that's so resonant is this this reality that you know, the trained singing voice is so much more about stripping away artifice and getting to this almost primal quality of sound. And and it's it's sometimes, a, I think, a mistake that people make. They think, uh, you know, opera singing, ooh, you know, like this, this kind of um, manufactured sound. It's actually sort of the opposite. It's that direct connection to the soul, this incredibly primal thing where you're just stripping away all the tensions and so forth. Uh, Cole, what do you think about that? And I, I also... I also want to raise you, you know, Cole, you're also a songwriter. And, and so there's this other layer for you, not just using your voice, but also creating new songs in order to, you know, create that soul to soul connection uh, that Marco was just talking about. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Marco really hit the nail on the head about, you know, it being such a, you know, it, it's on a level of interaction that you just can't get with you know, just, just words. It's almost like two languages where you can sense the emotion of words and how you portray them, but also the tonality and the music and the way that their place speaks its own language. Mm -hmm. So it really is, it's harmonious on a way that you just can't get without, you know, song and singing. So specifically with songwriting, you know, it's so easy to be able to get on social media and, you know, express how your day was or express, Mm -hmm. you know, the period of, you know, your life, but it, it completely feels different with writing it and, you know, how it's portrayed when you put it into a song and mm-hmm. it's so intentional with how you do it and every, you know, piece of it, you know, and how it sounds and the volume and, you know, the chords you use, it's just, it, 
it really is a weird way to describe. Like I can't put it exactly in words, but it just feels so much more powerful that way. I, well, I think that's it. It's it's not something you can totally capture just in words. And I would say that you know, Cole, with the songwriting piece, both this, both the singing and the songwriting, both of them require this unbelievable amount of vulnerability. This is your voice, whether as a singer, whether as a songwriter, you're telling a story about, you know, um, please be kind, you know, here's, I've had a, I've had a rough day, bear with me, you know, and, and, and it's, it's offering yourself in this incredibly uh, kind of vulnerable way. And, and I think it's wonderful. It's, it's cathartic to be able to do it as an artist, but it's, you do put yourself out there, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird, it's a weird way to put yourself out there too, because we do that every day of our lives. Mm-hmm. But specifically with you know putting out original music, there was an even deeper layer of you know fear that was unlocked. Of you know, I'm releasing this piece of art that I spent so much time time on. Why is that different than this video that we can post and get you know plenty of hate on you know without mm. batting an eye? <laughs> but you know, it feels so much more like oh, I don't want to get you know hurt by what someone says about this special, yeah. you know, something. Yeah. 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 We, we love to be loved. We hate to be hated when <laughs> right. we're performers, but, but it comes with the territory. And I don't think there's a way to make an authentic contribution to the world without taking the risk of someone not mm-hmm. liking what you do. And, 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 yeah. and if everyone likes what you do, you're probably not reaching quite far enough, either outward or, or into yourself, I think. So yeah. um, that's a that's a stupid yes. point. Man, well, you got to be vulnerable, right? Well, well, let's talk about taking that vulnerability and then just plopping it onto social media through YouTube. Let's see, you're just putting yourselves out there, guys, um, through these various uh, channels. But I want to just focus on YouTube in particular because I know it's, uh, I think it's your your respective power alleys. Uh, Marco, you've your your uh, channel's been up for just a few months, and I and I want to say that you know obviously there are channels out there that you know get millions or billions of views or what have you, but you just started this. I mean, this was something that it, from from the outsider's perspective was this really entrepreneurial thing that just came mm-hmm. about. Um, from my side, probably it was like months and months and months of advanced pr- planning on your side. But from the outside, it was just things that just uh, popped open. And all of a sudden, there's uh, Marco Camerata, opera singer, Marco Meatball doing these great, um, these great reaction yeah. videos. And you have, you know, close to 90,000. Close to 100,000. Uh, is it close to 100,000? Man, that's like, a, that's, that's like in a just week a week. later, yeah. yeah. 93,000 today. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, by the time people see this episode, I, I bet it's going to be more than that. So you, you, you went from this world where you're an opera singer and, you know, you're pushing every day to, you know, find the next gig and, and you've sung in some wonderful places, including here at Arizona Opera to this space where it's pulling you forward. And, uh, and I know from things you've said in, in social media that you've, you know, you've, you've, it looks like you've almost been a spectator to your own sort of wonderful growth in that. Um, so I'd love to just talk about what the experience has been uh, as a performer, as an artist, as a person that's, you know, engaged in connection and laying it out there. And now you're in YouTube What's that feeling like? What does it mean to you to to have now uh, close to a hundred thousand subscribers on Marco Meatball? And uh, you know, what does that? What does that? What is the message for you, or what does it mean? It's a really interesting thing because for the ten years that I studied and performed and 
and yeah, I mean, I was incredibly lucky to be able to sing with ASIO for two seasons and well, two shows. I think same season or well, no, the next two, two seasons. Season. Yes. Uh, Madam Butterfly is Pinkerton and yeah. Tosca is Cover Adosi. And those were dream roles for me. So to do them, you know, in such a safe place really meant a lot. And I still, I look at them, those, both of those experiences so incredibly fondly in a sea of difficulty where you're constantly hustling for the next gig. And, mm -hmm. and while I, I was like a special tenor or whatever, like <clears throat> certainly I, I wasn't guaranteed that a career would, would occur. And when I turned 30, I recognized that, okay, well, I'm finding that I don't think that I can actually sustain this. Like I thought I could. Mm -hmm. And so what mm -hmm. do I do? Right. And as you understand, there's such a crisis of identity with that where it's like, well, what do I do? Mm -hmm, <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and so I pivoted I to voiceover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so I pivoted to voiceover because I thought to myself, okay, I can still use my voice and I can still do this. And so mm -hmm. that's been a three-year journey and it's gone really well. And I've sung, I just sang a gig with TBS for the Big Bang Theory and I'm still singing oh, in on my own terms. And I think that that was like really the before i dive into the channel sort of creation i really wanted to find a way to do things on my own terms where mm -hmm. i didn't have to worry about where i had to go and i have i had to go to europe and if i had to fly here and if i had to go here and instead i wanted to reclaim my identity as a person and how to how to build things as an individual after mm -hmm. being 10 years of one track so anyway fast forward to february um, you know, my father passed away and it was a real moment of like, okay, well, who am I mm -hmm. in the world as, mm -hmm. as a man mm -hmm. with a father who is no longer here, who was my big support system. And I decided, you know, I've always loved video game music. And in fact, I've always felt this duality between the identity that I portrayed as an opera singer with my tuxedo mm -hmm. and my suit and my fancy parties and everything versus this person when I went home where all I was doing was playing hours and hours of video games. And I was in, you know, since I was seven years old, I was enriched in this environment. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know what? Screw it. Let's just try it. Mm -hmm. I filmed mm -hmm. three videos. The first one was like an introductory video. And, and I, and I just like, kind of was like, okay, whatever. I look over on my YouTube channel and I'm starting to get notifications and I'm like, who the hell is sending me notifications on mm -hmm. YouTube? This is so mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. And then I look at the thing and the thing is like the first video I ever made, 500 views, a thousand views, 2000 views, 3000 views. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like a mm -hmm. thing. So I immediately scramble and I start to just amass a bingeable catalog, which mm -hmm. is what they say to do. So I just literally, I filmed 10 episodes in a day and just of all, oh I was gosh. like, Oh, I like this song. Oh, I like this song. Uh -huh. And then, and then I started taking suggestions and then the next thing, you know, the thing starts to take off. And since then I've, I treat my channel as a music appreciation channel mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, a class you would take in college of a liberal arts, you know, music appreciation class, except mm -hmm. it's all about video games and it's all exclusively about that. And it's about how they make us feel. And mm -hmm. it's about the, what the composer's vision is mm -hmm. and how I mm -hmm. feel listening to it. So in theory, and then I, I, you know, I jam out, it's like, it's not, it's a little bit showman-y, but like it, I, I try to always keep an authentic you know, thing because Cole can tell you that people can smell inauthenticity right mm -hmm. away. The camera is right here, you know? And so long story short for me, and I've reached 10 million people now. And I feel like an opera ambassador where mm -hmm. finally those 10 years of me being sort of selfish and having to be selfish in order mm -hmm. to like get where I wanted to go. Now I'm sort of viewing it as like, let's talk about our feelings in an authentic way through the power of video game music. 
And hey, I don't know. It's a random niche, but it sure has worked beautifully. <laughs> you found and it's it. You evolving found it. and it's great. Yeah. We're we're gonna come back to to you know the the bridging the gap uh in just a minute. Um, but you know, you, you you talk about it as sort of a selfish act, um, being an artist and putting yourself out there. We're, we're going to pivot to Cole now, but I just want to say, you know, it's it's not about. Uh, it, I find, uh, and especially in this period of time, as performers are, you know, really on kind of on the front lines of art and willing mm-hmm. to continue putting themselves out there. Yes, it's about you and making sure that you are able to put food on the table and get onto the stage and ply your craft. But it's also a massive contribution, the way you mm-hmm. give of yourself. And, you know, I think I've said any number of, you know, visits with artists so far, you know, just thank you for continuing to do this because a, a room of general directors, uh, mo- for the most part, cannot be- become an opera. And uh, and without that, without that, what you call selfishness, I actually think it's selflessness. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I think this is true of all art. Uh, right now. Um, you know, we just couldn't do it. So, so Cole, you know, you got started in YouTube when you were 12 or 13 years old. And I I don't know if you remember, you know, at that point in time, I, I, when I think about 12 and 13 years old, it's a blur, but it's closer for you. Um, (laughs) you know, what was that experience like for you when, you know, the, the story started first taking off because YouTube was a, was a fairly early, you know, early in its, um, uh, you know, birth at that point. I don't know. Did you, did you know it was going to connect or, or what was that experience, especially as a, a teenager, all of a sudden you're getting, you know, thousands to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions of views. Like, what was that like? It was, it was definitely not a normal experience. Uh, I remember it very clearly. Uh, and, you know, I was just having so much fun in that mm-hmm. period of time too. Like it was something that I always did and I loved making videos. Mm-hmm. So starting out, we were just making videos for fun. We're like, oh, this is, you know, a fun thing that we're kind of doing. Mm-hmm. And then it, it continued like that for a few years. But as soon as I turned like 14, 14, 15, that's when it really started kind of taking off. And we had conversations like, hey, this is something that we can do if we want to actually pursue this. Mm-hmm. I was a few years out from graduating high school and looking at career options. And back then, no one was really doing it as a career. We were kind of mm-hmm. the, the crazy, you know, reckless kids in the family, not going to college and right. we're going to burn ourselves out and then be living in our parents' basements for the rest of our lives if we pursued YouTube. Yeah. And there wasn't monetization of the channel back then the way there is now. It's changed a lot. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I really have to hand it to my brother and my older sister for taking a brew of that, you know, uh, you have three siblings, right? I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a, that's a whole episode on its own. Probably <laughs> so they got the most pushback from our parents, uh-huh. uh, and, you know, trying to get them to stay the, the normal route and go to school and get a degree and go into, you know, a specific field. So they really pushed and they made it happen for all of us. And, uh, it was as soon as the numbers start coming in, you kind of get desensitized it to it as a kid, mm-hmm. especially. And so mm-hmm. you're just looking at these numbers and you're like, my video got, you know, a million views and all of my friends are, you know, posting stuff, trying to get to that point. So mm-hmm. they're treating you a little different and, yeah. you know, you're kind of the, 
the most popular one ever because everyone wants a piece of that. And <laughs> the most popular to... one ever. <laughs> right, right. But who's so counting? It was, it, was, it was weird socially because you didn't quite know who was being authentic and who right. was, you know, just trying to approach you to, mm. you know, get a little piece of the action or like, you know, a shout out yeah. or whatever. Mm. Um, so it definitely was a little lonely in that sense because I, I never really had a solid group of friends who understood what it was like mm-hmm. to be running a business at the age of, you know, 16 and working a full-time job. Um, and, you know, you, you end up kind of growing out of it and then, you know, flash forward 10 years and you're 24 and, <laughs> you know, you're still like trying to find yeah. those similarly minded people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet it. I, that's, I mean, isn't that wild? You're connecting with so many people, but in, in a personal space, it can be a challenge to connect because, you know, everyone knows, uh, you know, the scories and, you know, right. all, all of this. I, I, um, yeah, I can, I can see what kind of challenge that would be. And so, so I'm going to, I'm going to take us in, you know, uh, another direction right now. So, um, you know, we're talking about human connection that really seems to be the through line for all of this. Uh, I feel like, uh, all, all the traditional art forms, but uh, maybe art in particular, um, certainly in my own life, we're at this inflection point where we're trying to figure out what it means to serve people on scale through this art form. And with, uh, you know, with a, uh, a tool like YouTube, there's this kind of uh, limitless kind of possibility that you both are really experiencing in your own personal lives. And yet, you know, at the same time that Marco, you're you're coming on to a hundred thousand uh, subscribers on your channel, Cole, just on YouTube alone, you're you're around two million. Arizona Opera is a fifty year old organization. We have seven hundred and sixty six subscribers. You know, and it just shows what's what's terrifying about that is, man, you know, we're not where we could possibly be over a period of time, but but at the same time. It, it sort of exposes, man, there's something that's really possible and wonderful out there. Uh, if you were in, in this chair here and you were running Arizona Opera or another opera company, and you were thinking about how can I achieve impact and scale at the same time through singing and, and through opera in particular, what's the first thing you would do the first 90 days thinking about social media in particular and, and maybe YouTube specifically? Uh, let's let's start with Marco. Tough question. I uh, what I've done on my channel and what I've sort of started to from 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 my seat as a performer, uh, I started monthly or bi monthly now uh, opera streams mm-hmm. where we will watch an opera, and I get about sixty right. to one hundred people that just come in and they watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, oh my God, opera, I was like really good. Like Tosca, <laughs> whoa, that's intense. It's like, right. you know, it's like teenagers and if folks 18 to 25 is like the largest demographic I see. And then of course there's folks my age as well. Um, and then with this game that I have my largest subscriber base, Genshin Impact, it's a very, it's classical music with a modern twist to it. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And in those videos, I talk a lot about Bach and I talk a lot about sort of the emotional connection that we feel through music and whatever. So what I've noticed is going to these folks through their medium of choice enables them to then have an open mind Mm, to finding people where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been the biggest thing. And I don't necessarily know that it's like, 
going to a high school and doing outreach. I do think that those things work. It certainly worked with me. And when I was in, I mean, I distinctly remember seeing a performance when I was in elementary school of like some musical or something. And I was like, Whoa, mm-hmm. like that's cool. You know what I mean? But I don't, I, there's something just looking at the comments that I receive and the, the most gratifying part really quickly, just to slight pivot is to say that like people look at music differently because of how I've been able to, uh, get to them mm-hmm. emotionally. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think like our role as opera ambassadors in this case, uh, is, is to meet them where they are. Now the question mm-hmm. is, how do you do that? You do it through comedy. Do you mm-hmm. do it through, I, I just, I don't know if it's the traditional route of getting a TikTok account and making videos mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. is still going to be a niche. Mm-hmm. So we have to like, think, how do we think outwardly and how do we think yeah, it's, it's, it's all very interesting. And I've, the whole TikTok sphere has been really interesting and not following other opera folks, but like mm-hmm. branching off on your own. And I don't know. So the answer to the question, I've, I have no idea, but okay. certainly going to people. Well, we've got the ball rolling. And, and of course this is, you know, I think going to be a path of discovery for us, but I think the powerful thing you said in there was, you know, about, um, finding people where they are, where their mm-hmm. interest is. And you also mentioned, uh, interaction, which I think yes. is so important that they, they, the people not just feel like, but really be in some sort of dialogue with you some way. And that even just that comment section, you respond, they, they feel you and they know you took time for that. Um, Cole, you're, you're, uh, you're now the general director of Arizona opera. Congratulations. Uh, same, same question to you. You, you, you've taken all this knowledge, a decade worth of seeing what works, what doesn't work on YouTube. Uh, if, if you were in this spot, what, how would you be thinking about how can I share you know, this kind of art form with, with people in this platform? Yeah, I guess to start, you know, Marco, TikTok is weird. I'm just going to start with that. <laughs> you know, yeah. My parents are on TikTok now. And as soon as that happened, I was like, what That's is happening? <laughs> and, you know, I think to that point, we're at the, the, you know, the point in, you know, social media where everyone is essentially connected. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what Marco was saying was so true about just meeting the people where they are and forming those connections, you know, in whatever way is the easiest for them and not, you know, knowing about traditional opera or, you know, seeing the billboards out and about or, you know, other theater programs. I would say, you know, the the best thing that I would be able to, you know, advise you on would be mm-hmm. just really targeting who that specific mm-hmm. niche is that you're wanting to target. Right. And then just really go after them on social media and not to underestimate the algorithm. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. the, the the most wild thing, and it is so good now, even you know better than what humans were able to do mm-hmm. at you know laser pointing in someone's interests and delivering them mm-hmm. whatever you know ad that is or whatever video that is or preview for an upcoming opera. It will it will find them if you're able to right. find out where that maze path lies. Yeah. And, and what is that algorithm except, you know, listening to what people's habits are and who they are. I say, yeah. I say data is people, you know, when you're looking at a number of folks that, you know, watched a YouTube video or something like that, it's, it's, uh, it, it is the algorithm, but it's also you dialing into where are people, where am I finding them? And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a fascinating thing. And I'm so, uh, I'm so, uh, Marco, just as a, 
you know, as a fellow opera singer, I'm so proud and excited for, you know, the, this pathway that you've, you've started on and, um, and for both of you just excited about all the entrepreneurship and experimentation, uh, that you engage in, you know, every day, it's just so creative. It's so interesting. And I think, um, you. you know, we in the opera Thanks. field really have like so much to learn. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just excited that, uh, to have the conversation with you both today, you've been so, uh, generous with your time. Um, Marco Cole, thank you so much for being with us today on this episode of Unmiked and I uh, look forward to staying in touch and uh, keeping this conversation going. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Thrilled to be yeah, back. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great. Great to see you guys. 